Hey everybody, welcome to Tech Tree episode number three. Um, I'm joined as always by my co-host uh, Shaban and Partha. Hello Shaban. Hello listeners. And hello Partha. So in case you haven't checked it out, on our last episode, we spoke about blockchain, explained to a five-year-old with cake. And um, and we also kind of wrapped up our smart homes discussion where we talked about ecosystems and some of the devices and some of the fun stuff you can do. So check it out if you haven't. So on this episode, we're going to be talking about 3D printing and kind of talking about some of the things that are involved in getting started with 3D printing, especially if you live in Dubai or in this region. Uh, I'm going to get uh, get started by what is it really? I mean, we're using the word 3D printing, but what does it involve? Because it's not as simple as hitting uh, the print button, right? It is as simple as pressing print, but the technical term is not 3D printing. The technical term is additive manufacturing. 3D printing initially started with something called ABS, which is the most common form of plastic that's available. But then the problem with ABS is that because it's oil-based, uh, there was a lot of fumes. It needed a lot more heat. So therefore, it wasn't really uh, recommended for closed room or DIY or hot hobbyist level manufacturing or prototyping. Uh, 3D printing guys came up with an alternative using cornstarch called PLA and this material is what is being used most commonly across all the different brands of uh, 3D printers that are available commercially in the market today. So people from MakerBot to Ultimaker to you name those brands, they have a PLA uh, machine. Uh, they, they also run a lot of different other materials but we'll get to that shortly. The process of uh, printing is essentially where there's an extruder which is basically a heating element. This filament of PLA is being passed through it. It gets converted from a solid form, a filament into liquid and is then placed onto a build plate and then a layer of uh, PLA is then placed on the build plate and then it's added one upon the other therefore building the name additive manufacturing. You mentioned additive manufacturing. Can you just throw in the explanation what subtractive manufacturing is? So subtractive manufacturing is basically where you take a block of raw material and then you chip away at it till you get the desired output. So for example, if you look at wood carving as the most common form of subtractive manufacturing, you take a block of wood and then you create a, a, a lampshade or a canoe or a bed out of it. You're basically taking away material from the original source. That's what I refer to as subtractive. So when you are going to Google up 3D printing, there's different things. As There are three or four terms that will pop up. One is um, FDM, which stands for Fused Deposition Modeling, which is the kind of 3D printing that you can, you know, 3D printing tech that you can buy for your house. It's basically, like Partha has already explained, plastic that's been extruded out and put on layer by layer. The other one is SLS, which is uh, laser sintering. So what it is, is they take a whole bunch of powder that's reactive to lasers, and then they use lasers to build a model layer by layer, again, by burning the powder, which becomes solid. And then that's uh, SLS. And then there's stereolithography, which is... Uh, Similar concept, but instead of powder, you have liquid resin. So when the laser hits the resin, the resin solidifies, and it basically you have to. And again, you go layer by layer, and you go, you build upwards. I, what I will talk about is FDM or additive manufacturing, whatever you want to call it. But when you say 3D printing in general, most people are actually talking about the, the stuff that you buy for your house, the, the stuff that's within reach, because SLA and the other type are quite expensive. I mean, you're talking upwards of $10,000 probably per printer. Uh, and 3D printers right now are, you can have a good 3D printer for less than $1,000, the the FDM uh, plastic extruding models, right? Well, let's talk a bit about if you're, you know, what exactly is it? How does it work? What it is, is uh, these 3D printers, they take, um, imagine taking a piece of paper and, and taking a pen. And what you do is you draw a circle. And as soon as you've drawn the circle, now that ink is on that paper and it's one one layer. Imagine instead of ink, your pen is putting out a thin layer of plastic. Okay, so what you've done is then you've had a thin ring of plastic sitting on that paper. And imagine that that paper is really, really sticky. So that plastic is now stuck. So if you want to turn that, that little ring and you want to make it add another layer to it, all you do is you draw above it. Now you have two rings, but these rings are a little bit thicker, right? And eventually, if you keep doing this, you end up with a cylinder. So that's kind of basically what 3D printing is. It's just layer by layer of putting molten material on top of each other in a very, very controlled manner. If you control the pen well enough, you can draw a perfect rectangle or, or a perfect square. And once you take these basic shapes, you can actually build more complex shapes and organic shapes. Why is 3D printing important? What kind of convenience does it bring, uh, you know, compared to whatever the traditional model was? Uh, Partha, we'll start with you. So we've been doing these workshops at uh, the assembly for a while. Uh, we've done about five or six different sessions. 
and every time we do a session on 3d printing is really full because people are curious as to how 3d printing can be used the one thing that we've realized is that the most common application that we see are making toys because when we show them how to design for 3d printing they'll end up eventually making a toy because that's the first thing that they can do as far as applications are concerned there are plenty there's prototyping so a manufacturer who has a hardware solution will use 3d printing to prototype is to build scale models of architectural models so you know interior designers when they're trying to build instead of relying on paper and craft and stuff they can use a 3d printer to get far better detailing from the model that they are creating then of course there's um, spare parts manufacturing for automobiles and air aircraft and I think Shaban can actually talk about a lot more about that because he's actually doing some more work around that. Yes, I am. And so to expand a little bit on what Partha just said, 3D printing is one of those things when you introduce an industry or a bunch of people to it and you think that, yeah, they're going to use it for this, this and this. It turns out they're using it for that plus 10 other things. So it's one of those things where people actually are finding more uses for it uh, as the industry develops. And I think, again, it boils down to the fact that 3D printing wasn't accessible uh, a few years ago. It was it was limited to very high-end industries that are doing rapid prototyping for very short runs uh, or, or making master molds for things. So, they, you know, they had access to this kind of tech among other industries, of course. But suddenly now, with, with desktop 3D printers being available, it is quite literally, I mean, you can draw up a design on, on a basic CAD or, or download a design from, from these online repositories, press print. And while it's not as simple as pressing print and watching it come out, but yeah, it's, it's getting pretty close to that point. And uh, the uses for it are actually quite endless. Okay, I'm going to add a lo- another bit ahead here. Is that uh, 3D printing uh, predominantly has been associated only with plastic. But obviously there are a ton of different materials that can be used uh, in 3D printing. And that is definitely uh, where you see the major variations of where they're being applied. Where would be the benefit of doing this? Because when you talk about, say, architectural models and things, I mean, there were there were traditional ways of doing all of these things, right? I mean, in a workshop, when you say, like, okay, you know, we're showing what they, we can do, and they're making toys with it. But these are, you know, that's one aspect of it, right? Why is it that someone, an average person, an entrepreneur, uh, you know, someone that runs a business, like, why would he be interested in this? What direct benefit does he get outside of the fact that, okay, this is a different way to build a model. So the why, ha- I would say the why has three three aspects to it. So A, if you're coming from industry, there's a, there's an aspect that sort of applies to you. B, if you're, com- if you're an entrepreneur or a DIY kind of person and you like making and, and tinkering with things, then this will apply to you. Or, or C, uh, if you're a hobbyist, if you have a specific hobby, there are a lot of people that are into cosplay, there are a lot of people that are into building props and, and, and things like that. So this also applies to the, the craft and, and hobby sort of thing. So so look at it as professional, semi-professional, and then hobby. Uh, starting with professionals, and, and I think this sort of sums in the entrepreneur part of what you just mentioned. I, I can give you my example. So if I were to build a part for drones, I, I mean, I work with, with the, in the drone industry and where sometimes you have to make things that uh, currently don't exist. So we, got, we, we designed it on CAD, um, let's say it's a part for, for a drone and it's supposed to be made out of metal or plastic or whatever. If I wanted to do it, the regular way was basically you go to a, a mold and, and die making shop or a machine shop and then they will CNC the, the, the parts for you out of aluminum or out of whatever material you choose, wood, it doesn't matter. But the fact is that you would have to give them a CAD file then they convert that CAD file into a machine file and then blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a long process. The average cost of making a mold can be, you know, close to 100,000 dirhams sometimes, um, depending on the kind of mold and how large it is. Sometimes it's more than that. Sometimes it's a bit less than that. But again, it's expensive. Now, the other problem with this is, you know, you spend all this money and you make, you make a product uh, or, or a prototype of a product. And then what's the next thing that's going to happen is, is you realize, oh, I should improve it this way and that way because you're going to test it. And then when, you, when the design changes you got to go back and repeat the process all over again in, in some cases. So those costs really add up. 3D printing changes all of that because what it means is you can rapidly print out a prototype. You don't have to go to a dye shop or a mold shop or, or wait three weeks and, and then the CAD guy messes up and then you've got to wait another week before the designs are finalized. None of that stuff. You can actually, uh, I mean, through a small process of setting everything up, after that, press print and lo and behold, your creation comes to life 
and you can see the results and then change it. So it really reduces that cycle that, that people used to go through. So for example, there's a lot of ra- racing companies that are using 3D printing now to te- try and test different designs. For a semi-professional, if you're making small parts for maybe 10 run parts or 20 run parts, again, you don't have to go through that lo- long process. You can just print it out and, and do a small production run. Or you can actually print it out and then get a mold made. So it's a lot quicker either way. So you can test everything, make sure it's all final, and then you've got your design done. Oof, you give it to the mold-making guy. He makes a silicone mold out of it, and then you can cast things in it, and, and off you go. On the hobbyist side of things, I personally, I mean, again, speaking from local experience, I, I do a lot of, I fly a lot of RC planes, and I like building models. So what I do now is I actually can improve my models. So if, if, a, if a part on a plane is broken, I can just design and print a better part. Or if I realize, oh, I want to, stick a camera on on one of my aircraft uh, to record footage, I can actually 3D print a a camera mount. Or I can talk to other hobbyists across the world that are actually uh, created parts for my kind of airplane, and then I can just download those parts. It actually saves me a lot of time. I don't always have to design stuff. I can just, you know, download and print it off from somebody else's uh, files. And uh, yeah, so there's this little community of makers that have popped up over the last few years that are using 3D printing. And it's not just limited to this hobbyist thing. It's there are a lot of people that are building props from Lord of the Rings or they want to... Uh, one really popular one that I saw the last time was from Game of Thrones where they've, they've got this hold the door, uh, hold door, uh, doorstop. And uh, you can print it out. You can just download it and print it out. And so now you have a little hold door thing that you can slide under your door. So it's, it, it really is a lot of creative stuff happening on this front. So one of the things uh, that 3D printing does help is uh, in saving cost via the use of material and accuracy. And I'm going to touch upon both of these things very, very briefly. Uh, So if you were to take the traditional mode of creating a spare part, using a piece of aluminium and milling out a cog, for example, uh, the amount of material that you're actually wasting by milling that piece of aluminium is tremendous because you'd probably end up using only about 40 to 50% of the actual aluminium to make the part and the rest of it goes to waste. With 3D printing, because it's additive and not subtractive, you're literally using only the amount of material that is needed, which means that you're saving so much. So within that single block of metal that was wasted before, you could literally have two different parts. So you're doubling your uh, the entire production value. That's one aspect of it. The second aspect of it is the accuracy point of things. Yes, there are tremendously gifted people, artisans out there who are able to create uh, pieces that are beautiful and accurate, uh, but then that's, again, quite rare. You will find that unless it is created using a computer or a CNC, uh, again, subtractive, so things like a water jet or things like that, again, the, the wastage factor is one thing, but... If it's being hand-created, if, if, if there is a design that's being hand-milled, uh, the chances of the accuracy are, well, probably in the range of 70 to 80%. But when you 3D print something, the accuracy levels are about 95 to 98%. Because you still have that little bit of leeway to fix things, and that's, that's always going to happen. But again, the fact that you're waste, not wasting as much material and you can actually test using different materials helps you save cost, and I think that is very crucial. Okay, so uh, from, I think from what both of you have said, I think one of the, the standout things is sort of the, the cost model is changing, right? Um, and of course, there's also a time element, but again, the time element sort of starts wrapping itself back into cost when you're looking at at least the industry and, and, and semi-professionals, but even for the hobbyists, right? Where, you, where you're saying now, in, instead of having this long delay cycle between figuring a design out, figuring something out, or even testing something, um, you can now reach a stage where uh, it's sort of democratized, like so every like individual Individuals can start doing this at their level without having to wait for long leak times with factories and other places, uh, running into issues, but also running into, uh, I mean, what Shaban mentioned as well, right, where you can do small uh, five and ten part runs as opposed to having to do a minimum hundred part run because you're dealing with a factory that has those kind of quantities. And so all of this kind of eventually adds back in both cost and time being super efficient in, in getting this started. 
Okay, so uh, my my next question then is uh, so both of you mentioned this repeatedly where you're talking about you know modeling. Okay, here's something that I want to design, and if I want to test it or if I want to do a run as we as we just mentioned, um, you know I'll 3D print it and and get started. Is, is that all that can do, or can it do more than that? Because I know Shaban, you've been also uh, sort of we were talking offline earlier um, about you sort of building other things uh, using 3D printing. Right, and so is this just meant to be a model and testing, as a you know, or is it also meant to be actually printing parts and things that can actually be used in production? Yeah, so it's both. Uh, you can use one material to sort of test things out, and once you're happy with the results, you can use another material to actually build it all together. Um, so in my case, uh, to expand a bit on what you said, uh, eventually the idea is to build a fixed-wing drone uh, using 3D printing completely. Uh, there are already 3D printed aircraft around, but nothing on, on a hobby scale or a small scale. I mean, we're talking companies like Stratasys or uh, very, very huge corporations. It's not easy to do. So there's a reason why I'm doing it is because I'm like, okay, you know what? I have an idea in my head on how po- it is possible to, to put something like this together. And the idea also involves, um, it's also the concept that you can actually email parts electronically to people. So let's say I want to send parts of my drone to, I don't know, someplace in Africa. There's just been some sort of humanitarian disaster and, and, they, and they need help. So instead of shipping the drone, what you do is you email the files. They print it out at a local university or, or a local makerspace and they put it together and off you go. Uh, you don't deal with customs, you don't deal with shipping. Uh, and also in, in disaster areas, logistics can be disrupted. So with this, all you need is, is access to the internet and that's it. What I've been doing is I've been trying to model a fuselage uh, for an airplane I used to have. I, I learned to fly on this plane and it was very dear to me. All that's left of it now from all that crashing is just wings. And I said, all right, I'm going to one day build a plane around this wing. And so that's what I've been doing. I've been modeling different types of fuselages and, and, and trying to see if I can uh, build something from scratch as opposed to downloading it off the internet. And it's been a huge learning curve because you realize the amount of effort and thought that goes into designing product. Every single screw space, every single slope and, and bezel is, is being put in there purposely. It all has to tie in together perfectly for it to actually work. So I've been printing, 3D printing the sections of this airplane. The idea is to just be able to print the outline of the fuselage and actually fill it with something because plastic is quite heavy sometimes. A part is usually built hollow. So when when you see a 3D printed part, it's not necessary that it's completely full of plastic. It's going to have something called infill inside it. And what that means is... Uh, the printer actually creates a, a structure that holds the outside of the part up. Uh, or you can make it completely solid, but we, it's just a waste of material. There's ways of, of sort of cleverly bridging certain gaps, and, and that's what we do. For me, the, the, the hobby part of it is that I'm going to take this plane out, I'm going to fly it, and uh, then I'm going to improve on the design. And it's it's going to be an iterative process where I go out and I fly and and I'm like, ah, I need to change the motor mount a little bit, so I'm going to change that. Oh, I need to change the placement of the electronics. I can do that. This wasn't possible before. For me to to, to be able to have access to that is, is, is quite mind-boggling because now I can tailor my aircraft to my needs as opposed to relying on some kit or a, a manufacturer to add that feature. I can just add it myself. And that is where the power of 3D printing really comes into into play because you don't really have to wait for anyone whatever you want to do you can do is it something that anyone can do no you require some skills i mean i have learned cad now uh, specific to 3d printing so that i can actually build the models so your your mileage varies based on how far you want to take it uh so yes so while i have experienced a lot of people using just for scale models uh, so i've we've actually helped a couple of uh, uh, interior designers create a scale model of uh, a scale model replica of somebody's whole house um, and it has uh, you know served some purpose there as well but we've also seen cases where well materials like carbon fiber and kevlar are being used to create high strength parts that are being used in machines because these things have a very high resistance to heat and are actually very strong and very light. Th- these are the ways that we're actually that I'm actually seeing uh, different materials being used. So I've seen people use uh, metal uh, to build spare parts as well. For example, uh, I've seen gear levers for motorcycles being built 3D printed. You could go out there and buy something, but then those have been 
uh, molded and you know they cost a lot of money sometimes you want a different design you can personalize the entire piece so there are different ways that you can do this but these are actual units actual pieces that are being printed uh, in materials that are very very viable right now and these are very easily accessible when when we talk about modeling you know that's one aspect right but when we start talking about things that, that are in production value and some of the stuff partha has addressed um you know we have to start thinking about things like reliability so now you're talking about an individual sitting at home buying a printer for less than a thousand or whatever maybe. Uh, but something that's within reach of um you know the, the the smaller companies and not necessarily the big factories right so how how does reliability work for something where uh, you know where you had a traditional model where you were taking a piece of like a block of metal cut stripping it down and it's still you know it's got its strength and its its ability to, to work and especially when we're talking about um things like spare parts and all this other stuff you talk about hundreds and and, and thousands of of materials and testing and the amount of quality control that goes into it um you know how does it is there is there a comparison uh, and is that is that why we still see uh, like we're ramping up we're going from modeling now slowly into production because this is something where uh, you know the modeling is the easy bit but now we have to start thinking about all the quality control and everything that goes into it so um that address the reliability point a little bit so um from what i have seen is 3d printing right now it really depends on how much money you throw at it so there are 3d printers that are worth you know hundreds of thousands of dollars uh and yeah the idea behind those is because the material has a high level of uh, the material that the printer is going to be using there's a lot of uh, quality control that's gone into that so you know that your filaments of a certain thickness and 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 it's it's not uh it's made by one manufacturer it's like basically apple giving you everything right uh including the software and then the hardware and then in the updates and all of that um when you scale it down from industry to to small size it doesn't necessarily scale all that well it's really hard to explain economies of scale when it comes to 3d printing because it's used really really useful for some people and it's if you want to do like high quality super tight production runs with extremely quality uh, extreme quality control and you want every part to be an exact replica of the other part yeah it is possible if you're building a basic shape but not possible if you're building a complicated assembly of things right uh like like a machine that's got 100 parts well you're going to run into problems with your $1000 printer and that's where the big guys come into play where when you buy from them and when you press the button you know that what you're getting out of there if it's 100th of an inch guaranteed yeah it's going to be pretty close to that uh with what you get from the desktop models they have to be tuned you got to measure the diameter of the filament uh, of the filament that you're using because the manufacturer in china will label it as 3 mm and then when you actually measure it, it's like 2.85 or 2.84 or 3.2 and then you got to account for that so it requires tinkering if you really really want precision and that is okay for some people and the, the ones that are just putting out let's say i'm i'm making a statue i don't really care if the nose is 3.2 mm or or 5 mm you know as long as it looks like a statue remember in, in the tabloids you used to get those puzzles where you look at the two images and you try and see which what's different uh and one of them is slightly different and it's kind of hard to well yeah it's like that if you're doing sort of organic structures so again if you're doing something that's functional then yes accuracy matters and and both have their challenges here we could really sit down and talk about this all night because even the aesthetic stuff when you're building organic shapes it's not that easy so shivan touched on the reliability of the the printing process right uh which is perfect so that that's one angle of it uh, but then there's the other angle of it which is the product itself so while while shivan actually talks about the process and that's a very very crucial point to remember one of the things that you need to remember uh, also realizes that uh 3d printing is essentially a scientific process that uh needs to have the same environment to create the same product over and over again think of it as a uh a clean room that has to be maintained in order to produce something the same over and over again the moment you're able to keep those factors in place and you 3d print something you will create a product that is reliable over and over again so for me the question is is more um you know when we're talking about building like spare parts we're talking about building even even uh, shiban was talking about building says aircraft around his his current you know maybe an existing wind uh, fuselages whatever these are these are there are 
critical components that we're we're talking about as well. So the hobby side, I think that's fine. I mean, as you mentioned, some of the organic designs, certain things, uh, you know, there might be a model, as you mentioned, toys and things like that, right? So that's one aspect of it. But we're talking about things like spare parts and those kind of things where you're producing, not, and it's not just about the controlled environment, but it's also the reliability of the product, right? At the end of the day. So when you're building something that traditionally was uh, built in a traditional format, whether it was metal, whether it was a different kind of plastic, doesn't matter. Uh, but then today now you're, you're taking... Um, you know, a, a different material, there's a, a different process and all this, um, you know, is it something that, that granted a little bit conceptually, we're also, we're already seeing conversations about things like the, you know, a 3D printed building and, and 3D printed train carriages and all this other stuff, right? Which is great. I mean, it's good to envision, it's good to think at that scale and good to take the technology there, uh, you know, but are we actually building ourselves towards something that's really that reliable when we're talking about sort of this layer by layer printing and creating something versus what, you know, what was traditional? Brands are actually moving in that direction because there is um, a, a certain amount of reliability that comes into build, pr- using this technology uh, brands like Boeing are doing it uh, oil and gas you're seeing a lot of the machinery uh, components are being built because they're offshore and the fact that shipping to offshore rigs have taken so long they're actually using 3d printed uh, spare parts on their oil rigs and this is obviously not because of the fact that it takes so long for the shipping but because these things have proven to be reliable uh, solutions for the long term not only from a cost perspective but from an uh, from an access perspective you know it has there's an entire compliance thing that you know if the machine is not working to optimum the speed they will obviously not have they will not be able to do anything and it, if it affects manufacturing so all of these factors come into play and people are doing this around the world so yes it's definitely reliable otherwise it's not something that is uh, uh, a viable solution for most companies to switch to basically a lot of the current 3D printing manufacturers, as far as reliability is concerned, this, this really directly addresses that. So some of the popular brands, there's Lulzbot, there is a very, very popular brand called the, the Prusa i3, uh, uh, which is, you know, under $1,000 is one of the best printers you can get your hands on. I personally run a Lulzbot. Do you know what these guys do in their factories? They don't have people making the parts. They actually have other 3D printers, their own 3D printers. So you have uh, Prusa i3, there's, you, there's a bank of 400 of them running in a warehouse. They're all 3D printing parts that are then put together down, further down the assembly line that make even more 3D printers. Uh, it, even if there are issues, I'm sure that, that people are, are checking some of these parts and, and doing uh, an analysis to ensure that everything's within spec. Because you can just retune the machine and figure out which, so let's say I'm printing a wheel. Uh, and the wheel's a little bit off. You go back to the machine, you tune it, off you go, and, you know, till till it comes back within spec. So when you're talking extremely complicated things where, you know, you want to 3D print an entire airplane, like some people are saying, oh, yeah, we're going to be doing this soon, where um, uh, I believe it was Airbus or Boeing that, that said that they can use 3D printing to reduce the, uh, the weight of their aircraft and increase fuel efficiency. Is that going to be reliable? Yeah, it will be, because, again, they're using composite materials. They've thought this through. It really boils down to how well engineered your solution is. And, and when, I'm, when I'm talking about engineering, I'm talking about both the parts and the machine that's putting the parts, uh, making the parts. So to use your example again, I, I completely understand the design part of it, right? So when you say that, hey, if this wheel is a little off, I'll, I'll redesign it, realign it, redo whatever it is in the process to make sure that this wheel runs smoothly, right? So, my, But my question is, can I put this wheel in a car and will it run as reliably as a regular tire would? That's my question. Perfect. That's an amazing example, all right? So current tires are what? Made out of aluminum alloy, yes, which you have to cast. So you, 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 you basically take the metal and you, you, you uh, melt it and then you put it in, in, in a cast and out comes the wheel. With 3D printing, you could use a carbon steel structure, which you can 3D print. Uh, there are materials that allow you to do that. And you can print more complicated shapes than you could ever do in a cast mold. Uh, and it would still be as reliable because when you, at the end of it, what happens in a mold? It's molten metal, correct? That then that cools, uh, cools down and, and solidifies. The same thing happens in 3D printer. It's, it's a molten material that's brought to its melting point, put there, and then it solidifies. I'll tell you this. Sometimes 3D printing is not the answer, okay? So again, let's, let's talk about what I know. Yesterday, I was having a discussion on the forums about uh, there's an association of, of people. We call, them, we call ourselves the 3D Lab Print Pilots Association, which is basically we print airplanes from a company called 3D Lab Print. Uh, and, and the idea is you can take a World War II 
fighter jet, uh, fight, not fighter, prop fighter, like a PV Stone Mustang or, or a Mr. Schmidt or something like that, and then print it out for yourself. So you don't have to go up buy a model. You can you know print it out at, at, on your home desktop printer in different small little parts and then glue it together. It is so complicated that sometimes when you're doing it, you see people are frustrated online on Facebook because they're, they're expecting... Uh, one result and they're getting something else there's like holes in it or there's strings where the plastic's not melted or it's it's too hot and it's it's melted too much and it's failing structurally because it's falling in on itself or it's turning into spaghetti and when you they finally do print these planes and they look gorgeous and they look beautiful because they're designed from from very detailed plans they don't necessarily fly that well it's not like you've suddenly revolutionized rc flying by by printing this thing no 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 these things are heavy these things are brittle and these things are sensitive to UV light. So when you're flying them in the sun or you leave them in a hot car, they can melt. Is it more practical? Of course not. It hasn't replaced a traditional RC airplane. What it, do- what it has done is it's shown people that there's another way of, of getting something flying and possibly doing it in your house. And if you break apart, you can you know reprint it. Or if you there's a new material down the line, for example, right now everyone's using plastic, but let's say tomorrow there's some super reinforced plastic, which are actually already coming to the market, which is stronger than, than regular foam and regular wood, uh, balsa wood that's used in, in plane design. Uh, maybe you'll switch over to that and you just reprint your parts in, in, in a new material and off you go. You have a you know stronger, lighter, faster airplane. When I got started with 3D printing, I, I just thought it would be super simple. You know, I'm just going to download a shape I'm going to hit print and out will come this perfectly working, amazing structural thing. And, uh, and it's all going to be, you know, peaches and cream. That's not, that's not how it really works. If you, if you're getting, uh, even, the, even the best 3d printer on the market right now for consumers, it, it it's, if you're doing simple stuff like squares and, and circles, yeah, that's, it's, it's fine. But if you want to, you know, build, uh, something a bit more complicated, it will require you to tinker with it. It will require you to tune your printer, to keep it tuned and to basically start small. So you will start printing with squares and measuring them, making sure that they're the right dimensions. And then you will work your way up to more complex structures. The first time I saw 3D, uh, I actually, I remember very clearly, uh, I had a requirement for uh, a casing. It was not a casing for a drone, but basically for the flight controller, which is this electronic thing. And it was a prototype board. There was no casing for it on the market because the manufacturer didn't make one. So I went up to Partha and I was like, dude, uh, I know you guys have access to 3D printing. Can you, you know, make me this part? Uh, and, and I downloaded uh, a casing that somebody else had made in, in Spain. He went away and he gave that part to one of his minions. And back came this little fuzzy little thing and, and, and it fit, you know, it, it worked. Uh, so Partha, I want to ask you, how did you get started in, in 3D printing? And, and uh, I mean, I've been talking about how complicated these things can be. And I've seen at the assembly, you guys print some pretty complex projects. What is the most uh, challenging project you've you've printed to date? Okay, so I started off with 3D printing uh, about three something years ago when we got our for the MakerBot Gen 5. About three years and we've been doing, a, we, we started off with um, building basic rover cases and Raspberry Pi cases and mobile phone covers, you know, the usual stuff. Uh, then we started actually designing uh, rovers. Uh, by rovers, I mean, you know, we're teaching people how to build robotics, right? So we've done stuff like robotic snakes where uh, they have multiple different moving parts and they have to be connected with servo motors. We've built a precision robotic arm with 3D printing. But the most complicated thing would have to be the Qualcomm rover. And uh, the Qualcomm rover is essentially designed in such a way uh, to show the use of mobile technology, uh, the fusion of mobile technology with 3D printing with uh, robotics and to show how Snapdragon could actually power robotics and uh, 3D printing be- being open source, they could just release the designs online and you could do a lot of different fun stuff with it. Now, the thing is, the reason it's complicated is because uh, that had about 20 moving parts, but about 45 different pieces that had to be printed, cleaned and then assembled. Uh, in association with adding electronics to it and I think that by far has been my most uh, complex project till date. It was a learning curve for me. I must have wasted uh, about uh, two or three. I had to do two or, two or three different reprints the first time. And then eventually we just got better at it. And we ended up making three rovers that work beautifully. And we, we actually showcased it at Arabnet. And it was um, it was amazing. There's another thing that we made which was essentially, uh, and this was crowdsourced. And uh, 
this was basically a small little robot figurine but with moving parts without any assembly this is the ingenuity of uh, 3d printing is that you could actually do something like that and we sh when we show it off to people they're like no way that was printed in one go but it was and this is how useful 3d printing can be you know there's so much possible so we've done robots and stuff as well so we have one little dancing robot in the lab that's called blue um, and he basically is 3d printed and we've added motors and everything to it and that's what we do we show people how to do stuff like this and it gives people an, an idea of how to work with robotics it gives people an idea of how to create designs on 3d printing uh, on 3d design software that are actually open source and available and it's not that difficult to get into it and a lot of people associate a lot of technical knowledge to go into 3d design and printing uh, it's actually very logical and far less intimidating when you actually jump into it it depends on like what you said you're right yes you're right if you want to do basic things yes but if you want to build like a complex robot from scratch which has i don't know like articulating hands and things like that don't you think it would take a lot of like i remember simple things like getting two parts to fit you would think oh i'm gonna make this thing 20 millimeters i'm gonna make the other thing 19 millimeters and it's gonna fit and no well it's not gonna fit it's gonna be loose because apparently there's something called friction fit and you have to learn about that because the tolerance between the two parts has to be a certain 15th of a, of a millimeter or something crazy like that and then it will press fit so that's what i mean was when i was saying earlier that it can get a little complicated again it depends on what your needs are and if you want uh, and how far you want to take it you and i learned that through trial and error so when we conduct our workshops we actually show people and explain to people that there is that is a, again that's fairly logical i mean when you share that logic with people and you share that information it's not technical per se it's just you know something that you learn because we've tried it i'm not an engineer i know you are but and when when we share information with the people on uh, about this on in our workshops we tell them that you know this is what we did. This is the outcome. What you need to do is remember this. And when you design it, you will obviously realize that it's easier for you to build something by keeping these little things in mind. And yeah, it helps. So a lot more people are getting into 3D design. And there are a ton of tools and a ton of tutorials available online to actually show people how to build stuff. Okay, now let's, let's move on to like getting into 3D printing is sort of, you know, there's a whole scale of things you can do, right? If I were to want to get started in it, uh, so how, how does one go about it? So, so first, you've got to figure out whether 3D printing, I, I wouldn't say whether it's right for you, but first figure out, let's say you take the plunge, you know, a lot of people I see that have bought 3D printers, you know what they're still doing? They're, they're still printing squares and circles. So you really need to know whether you really need it. And let's say you're a maker and you're actually designing things and, or you want to download things off the internet that you want to print for yourself, or it's just something really cool and you want it. Yes, absolutely, go for it. I mean, you can get a 3D printer for less than $500 now, which will produce reasonably good prints with a reasonably small amount of headache. So is it accessible? Absolutely, yes. Is it exciting? Yes, it's, it is worth, uh, uh, if you're a tinkerer, it's absolutely worth exploring because also you will learn a lot and it's it's a lot of fun uh, for 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 a person to make something on a screen and then actually have it materialize. I mean, that used to be the kind of things we used to re read about in science fiction books, and we can actually make that happen, right? you got to look at how big you want your objects to be. So that's the first consideration. If you're happy with the you know, printer's build, we call it build volume. So that's your first consideration. You're like, okay, I want to print big things. So let's say you're into cosplay and you want to print um, Thor's hammer. Now, Thor's hammer is generally quite big. It's something you're gonna if you're gonna take to an exhibition or to a show. Uh, you're looking at something that's about the size of a small dog. The average 3D printer, like what I, the one I have, for example, will not be able to print that. It would, but you'd have to print it in small, tiny, tiny parts and then glue it all together, which is a very time-consuming and, and arduous process. So, what you should do then is get a printer with a larger build volume. Uh, the other thing is also, I mean, are you technical? If you're a technical tinkerer. There are certain models that are going to be more appealing to you. But if you're the kind of person who really does not want to mess with code and does not want to, you know, f go on forums and figure out, oh, why is my print doing this or why is my printer doing that, then please, by all means, go with something like Parthas using... They, these guys have uh, very automated machines, which the, the manufacturers have really done thinking for you guys. And the, the reason they're using it, of course, is because, you know, they're, they're, they're putting stuff out for workshops. They don't want to be spending time... Uh, tinkering with the code uh, so get get an ultimaker or a maker bot or there's other printers in the market uh, if if you're diy kind of person your budget is less than a thousand dollars some of the best printers you can get for them for the money right now 
look at the Prusa i3 Mark II or three. There's a huge waiting list on them because there's an insane amount of people that, that want to get their hands on them. So be prepared to wait for at least two or three months before it shows up. There's also the Ultimakers, which are also good printers for less than $1,000. Look at the Lulzbots. There's a TAS-5. There's something called the Lulzbot Mini. Going to the Chinese brand, there's something called the Anet A8. There's the Creality CR10. The CR10 and the A8, they have pretty large build volumes, so you can get started with that. Above $1,000. So the CR10 is basically a, a 2.5 cubic uh, centimeter of uh, build volume for 4,300, I think is about in the market. But you can get a 3D printer in the market for uh, for about 1,300 dirhams, by the way. It's easily available. Any cubic is the brand, yeah. Kossel. And these are DIY okay. machines that uh, you can actually put together. And by the way, uh, it does a lot of the 3D printing, the leveling and all of it by itself. So it's, it's, it's a good machine to start. I mean, if you're really getting it, want to get into 3D printing, these are great machines to go into. Yeah, yeah. And the last one, would be this list would not be complete without mentioning another company, which is Monoprice. They don't always make the best printers. I mean, you've got to do a little bit of research, but... They also have decent printers uh, like the Monoprice Select Mini or whichever the latest version is. They're usually, again, less than $500 uh, mark. Above $1,000, there's a lot more options. Uh, Ultimakers are actually better. If you want push-button stuff, look at the Lulzbot Taz 5s. They're, I think, upwards of $1,000. And then the Ultimakers are also upwards of $1,000. Bots also are in that same range. And actually, the new smaller machines are pretty decent. So they're also upwards of $1,000. They're pretty slick desktop machines. Yeah, and as as far as materials are concerned, that's your next big thing. There's three or four kinds of materials that you will use in your 3D printing life. There's PLA, like Parth has already said. Uh, there's ABS, there's nylon, there's also flexible filaments. PLA, the reason people prefer it to, to use it, it's non-toxic and it's, you know, all of that. But also it's easy to print. So you could have a really super basic printer with no heated bed. Um, and, and PLA will work on it because it's got a low melting point. So you don't have to have... Uh, your hot end, which is this bit which extrudes all this, this mold, this is responsible for melting all that plastic. It doesn't necessarily have to go to a very high temperature to melt PLA. ABS is very, very tough. Uh, it's usually used when you want something that's going to be super durable. You want to knock it around without it breaking, then you go with ABS. But be prepared. You've got to have a space that's sort of ventilated. Do not expect to put your 3D printer in your bedroom or in your living room or in your office printing ABS, uh, it'll, it produces noxious fumes. So you've got to you know, be mindful of that, especially if you have pets or, or kids or yourself, of course. Don't Never discount yourself. Please, uh, you know, be a little selfish. There's high-impact polystyrene, which is HIPS. It's also, HIPS is similar to the kind of material you find in, in bottles. And these are the three or four materials that you will actually play with. The, um, there's Ninja Flex, which is new because it's a flexible material that you can print with. I wouldn't say it's a beginner material, but um, if you want to print things that flex around or bounce, uh, that's something to look at. Concentrate more on your needs. Uh, Start small because eventually what's going to happen is you will upgrade your printer after you grow out of it. So do not, don't, if you know that, you know, you're just going to learn, pick something basic and then upgrade. If you want to really learn, build it yourself, get a kit printer. You will, you will spend about 12 hours on average putting it together. But that will be a 12-hour learning experience. So be prepared for some frustration, but it's you'll know a lot more about how 3D printers work if you do that. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, or let, let's see if you guys can summarize for me um, the the local scene. So obviously, like all the stuff that Shaban, you mentioned and stuff, uh, in addition to people can Google it, we'll, we'll leave some links in the show notes to, you know, directing them to these different websites. What about accessibility here? Um, is it easy to pick up 3D printers here? Have you, I mean, I know you guys have, you do work where you do ship things in and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, for someone that's a beginner, uh, you know, yeah, what's the scene here? Printers actually, there are a ton of different companies that have uh, bought 3D printers into here. Uh, two of the bigger groups that have actually done this, one is Jackie's and one is Precise. Uh, Precise have actually consumerized uh, 3D printing really well. They've actually uh, bought in a couple different uh, range of brands. So they have Ultimaker and they have 3 Doodler. 3 Doodler is basically the hand extrusion pen for uh, creative types. And Ultimaker are basically uh, aimed at uh, consumer desktop uh, 3D printing. They also have a whole bunch of other stuff uh, that they can do. And they have services as well. 
so yeah these are the two uh, big companies that are doing it but then there are also smaller companies i was recently introduced to a, a couple of lebanese guys who are bringing in uh, a ton of different uh, american and chinese brands and they'll 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 come into the picture very soon they're bringing the cosel they're bringing the cr10 and they're bringing uh, any cubic and all of these other different brands into the region if you don't have a 3d printer and i highly recommend that you don't jump in and buy a 3d printer until you know what you want to get out of it there are companies like uh, immensa that do 3d printing services whether you have a 3d printer or not so you know you have a whole different wide range of services available if you want to get into 3d print 3d design uh, the assembly uh, we do uh, workshops quite regularly uh, on how 3d design works we actually explain the entire process of how 3d printing works what you need to remember how you need to learn design and use the tips and tricks too for your future project and we get a, a nice varied uh, range of people who come in and actually uh, thank us i mean we're doing a whole bunch of university outreach around 3d printing and robotics uh, happening later this month so that's a very good point partha brings up uh, if you really do want to get started in 3d printers before dropping a whole bunch of cash on it there are actually quite a few maker spaces so i've been to one of the assemblies quite a few of the assemblies workshops you can go down there and, and have a look at, at, at what you know what it looks like how it works what a part looks like so once you actually see the parts you realize ah this is for me the s this works or you'd be like nah that's that's not that's not how i thought it would be this is not for me maybe i'll wait till till things change or maybe i'll look into other options uh there's also like astrolabs i think in dubai they are doing they have a makerspace if you google makerspaces there's quite a few of them that have that have recently opened where you can basically get a membership or go on a on a one time pay basis and, and get access to cnc and and soldering stations and and printers and and plotters and cutters and laser engravers and all of that fun stuff and uh, that way you get to try it out without actually you know putting down a whole bunch of money and 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 you can decide for yourself whether it's for you yeah i think that's an awesome point actually because i think that's that's really the that probably should be the you know the way to go about if you were a beginner you sort of are figured out all these basic steps right you figured out whether you want to get involved with somebody or you want to buy your own 3d printer and stuff um you know what are some of the what are some of the things to watch out for um you know when you're starting the, when you're starting a project so assuming you've already got your own 3d printer and you've set it up in your own room and you want to start building your own project top two three things that i would suggest that you need to keep in mind are one uh ensure that your design works 100% uh uh through virtualization i mean you need to be able to visualize uh the project and uh, make sure that your design is complete uh, the settings that you're using if you're using a consumer device like a makerbot or something they have a ton of different specifications within the pr- printing software that help you customize and make the actual prototype to your liking so make sure that you check every setting and no setting is unimportant every setting is definitely important for you to know what is going into making this uh, prototype for you this model for you and the third thing that i would think is very crucial is where you set up the machine you need to ensure that the entire environment around the machine is suitable for the machine to work at its optimum uh, capability in the sense that you know you don't have the ac too cold or too warm there's enough ventilation there's enough airflow you have enough light make sure you have the right kind of uh, all of these uh, uh, different things are very crucial to making sure that you get the right reliable print coming out of that machine and you're getting the best quality that that's these are just few things that i think are important all right so from my side i'm going to get a little bit more technical top beginner mistakes are so let's say you're printing with a certain material and you use settings for the other material so let's say you're printing with PLA and your temperature for printing is set for ABS or nylon or some other material you're going to find your print comes out and it looks like a lot of goop so because you're printing it too hot so i'm going to link uh, in the show notes a very handy guide which has really really helped me in my 3d printing journey it's from a company called simplified 3d uh, they basically create Uh, slicing software now when you actually are printing uh, using whatever printer what that does uh, one thing we haven't touched off during the show is the software it's really really important to talk about it um, there's three or four major slicing software in the market right now there's um, something called slicer which has been around for a long time there's something called cura which has been around for a lesser amount of time but it's now really gaining in popularity there's also something called simplify 3d there are a couple others which but these are these three are the most popular ones the first two are free simplify 3d is actually paid it's i think it's a 
$200 or something like that. So it's, it's not it's not cheap, $100 or $200. Uh, but it is very, very customizable and a lot of people use that for that reason. You can really fine-tune the settings on that and get under the hood. What is a slicer, all right? So when you are printing a simple cube and you, you press print, what it, what it does is it actually takes the actual CAD file, it sends it to the slicer, which basically then slices up that, that, that object into hundreds of uh, different layers. And then it says, all right, this layer is going to be this thick and I'm going to print it. And 800 layers are going to make an 8cm object or, or an 8mm object rather. And that's kind of how it works. So it slices. The slicing program is really important. Your top problems will be too much materials coming out of your nozzle, too little material, or your printer is not calibrated properly. That's really, really important. You have to calibrate your printer. Check with the manufacturer on what you know the right calibration guides are. Don't expect to press print on a newly assembled printer and have it work flawlessly. It usually doesn't always work that way unless it's factory assembled. Uh, and even then, get get familiar with these slicing software. Like Partha said, every, it, even changes in environment can change your print settings, basically. So if it's cold outside, you may want to print a little warmer. If it's warm or a little too humid, these things really, really come into play. So the top three or four problems you will encounter is over-extrusion or under-extrusion. You will see something uh, called layer shift, which is when your motors on your printer are not really in sync. So it's not all printing in, in one axis and the, the layers are sort of shifting. It's like a like we used the cake example, except now the layers are shifting. So the cake is a bit lopsided. Or you'll see artifacts on the skin of your print. That's also caused by various issues. Uh, warping. Warping can usually be probably because of overheating, actually, uh, like I said a little earlier. The, the part is, is hot when it's being printed and as it's cooling, it starts to shrink. And if it shrinks at different rates, it will warp. So this is a problem that Partha talked about earlier. This happens a lot with ABS. So ABS is quite challenging. You have to actually have an enclosure around it. These are things you will pick up as you progress in your 3D printing journey. It's important to just not get frustrated, keep to the basics, print small parts that you can really control. So once you're happy with those small parts, take on the larger projects. That's really, really important. Print calibration cubes and, and test all your settings out on that. Make sure it's working for your brand of filament and your brand of printer and your brand of nozzle and after that move on to more complex projects awesome thank you guys that was i think a lot of information in there um, as i mentioned already we will link to a bunch of things in the show notes for people who want to like click on read on more about it as always shaban if you can share your twitter handle so that people can harass you about 3d printing so if you want to harass me about 3d printing you can reach me on at airspective um, that's a-i-r-s-p-e-c-t-i-v you'll see that also in the show notes Hook, uh, look me up if you've got any problems uh, like I said I'm not an expert in this but I'm uh, enough to sort of make an engineer my own parts right now uh, but I can always uh, try and help people if, if and do some research if, if, if required and uh, Partha if you can give us your um, I mean to reach you as well and maybe also tell us um, how people can look up um, you know your workshops on 3D printing I am reachable as Partha NS, P-A-R-T-H-A-N-S on Twitter. And uh, the workshops that I run are under the brand called The Assembly. Uh, to sign up, it's free. Our memberships, are, our community is basically free access to everybody. And uh, we conduct workshops every Saturday. Visit members.thaassembly.ae. Join us for any of the workshops that are coming up and we'll be happy to address all your questions for 3D printing. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, I'm reachable on Twitter at ChiragND, so that's C-H-I-R-A-G-N-D. Man, I can't do it as musically as Shaban and you guys can, but okay. So that's it from us uh, for this episode. Uh, you know, join us next time. Uh, until then, uh, it's goodbye.